Listener Production. I'm kind of used to imposter syndrome now. I'm kind of used to being uncomfortable and doing it anyway. I just ran out of reasons why I shouldn't just try. You know, that's been my whole life. I'm like, why not just try? Yeah, it's scary. Yes, it's uncomfortable. I don't know if it's going to work, but we'll give it a go. And if it doesn't, that's fine. Like, we'll, we'll try something else. And so that's kind of the way that I live my life is just by trying, trial and error. Hi, I'm Jess Rowe, and this is the Jess Rowe Big Talk Show, a podcast that skips the small talk and goes big and deep. From love to loss and everything in between, I want to show you a different side of people who seem to have it all together in these raw and honest conversations about the things that matter. Amy Shepherd is a singer-songwriter and part of Shepherd, one of Australia's biggest-selling bands. Amy is also a body confidence cheerleader, empowering women to embrace themselves, cellulite and all. She recently launched her solo career with a country pop EP. Now, our family are huge fans of Amy and we crank up her songs in the car. And I wanted to talk to her about where she found her confidence to step out of the box. Amy, we both have blue hair. I know, we're twins. <laughs> Tell me though about the blue hair. Mm. You've had it, not forever, but a long time, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, well, since I've been in the public eye, it's got to be 10 years. I just can't imagine not having it now. It's just normal for me. <laughs> and my family say that as well. They're just like, oh, we just forget that you have blue hair. Like, it's kind of crazy, but... It's just so normal. <laughs> oh, but it is. It suits you. And mm. I love having fun with my hair. Yep. I change it up. I feel like your hair, it's sort of an extension of who you are creatively. Yes. Was there a reason for you that you thought, this is why I want to do my hair this colour? Well, I think for that reason, I just wanted to be a bit more expressive with who I was, especially, you know, being on stage more often. And I just wanted to try something different. And I actually went blonde and it just destroyed it. And so my friend was like, oh, you just need to use some purple shampoo. And so I used some purple shampoo, but I used too much of it and I had like purple hair. It's like, I kind of like this. Oh, I kind of <laughs> love it. Yeah. And so my friend who was a hairdresser, she's like, that's it. Let's do something fun. And she looks in her cupboard and she had some blue. So she's like, are you brave enough? I'm like, okay, let's do it. And I loved it. And ever since that day, it stuck because everyone was like, okay suits you. Oh, it's divine. Another thing I love about you, I mean, there's a lot that I love about you because we're going to talk your music, but what I'd like to talk about first is how you are empowering other women, and I think especially young women, to embrace their body shape and not feel that they have to live up to some absurd Mm -hmm. social media nonsense. Yes. Well, I mean, because I did that for such a long time, I was bullied in primary school and just always wanted to desperately fit into that narrow beauty standard box. One day I just realized it made me really unhappy to try and fit into that box. And so I just decided what is the worst thing that could happen if I decided to show a little bit of cellulite or turn up to social media as myself. And, you know, the idea was planted and one day... It's like, okay, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to post a photo that's not filtered. You can see some cellulite. You know, this was in 2019. Not a lot of people were doing that on Instagram. It was still in the days of the highlight reel. You say that you felt you had to fit into a box. What did it take for you to think, no, I don't want to fit this box anymore? Well, it was just exhaustion. Like I was just so sick of having to hide parts of myself that were, you know, 
parts of me, you know, and, and that's all of my flaws make up who I am and they tell a story. And I think hiding that and trying to hide parts of who you are just leads to sadness and I wouldn't say depression, but just like a part of you has to be hidden. And I got sick of that. And I could see that there was this trend of the highlight reel going on. And I just thought, I don't want to be part of that problem because here I am complaining to my friends and family about how annoying it is because you can see that these But it's not real. It's not real. You can see it's not real. You know it's not real, but yet you still conform and you still airbrush your face. You still airbrush your body or post only the best angles. And so I just thought, why don't I try something different and give people a role model, give people somebody who they can look up to so that they... Because for me, I watched Taryn Brumfitt's Embrace documentary and I was like, this is what I've been feeling. She's just put it all into a neat little package for me. Thank you, Taryn. And we're now really and good friends. And she's our Australian of the year. She is. Yeah, well-deserved. I just, I'm a huge champion for her. So that really gave me the drive to be like, yeah, you know what? That's had a ripple effect on me. So why can't I have a ripple effect on someone else? And having the following that I have, I decided that I wanted to be part of the solution and not the problem. So I posted the photo and it kind of went viral. It was my most like photo. People were sharing it. And then I posted another one, and I, that's when I used the hashtag kiss my fat ass. Um, Which is so terrific. Oh, thank you. I yeah. love that because it's funny, mm. it's powerful, it's such an up yours, but in a playful way. Yeah, it wasn't even hashtag at that point. It was just at the end of my caption. It was just like, if you don't like it, kiss my fat ass. Then people started to use it as a hashtag. They were sharing their own versions, photos of themselves in bikinis. I just was a bit taken back. I was really shocked that people were, I guess, shocked themselves to see a bit of cellulite on Instagram. It made me a bit sad that So there were some people, really, who mm. were kind of, what did they say? Well, it was mostly positive. And, you know, there were a couple of people who were like, you know, promoting obesity, whatever. I don't agree with I that. Mean, that, but. Is, that is such nonsense. Yeah. Everyone yeah. has cellulite. 90% of women have cellulite. As women, that's just how our bodies do what they do. Yeah. I mean, even at my very thinnest, trying to fit into that box, I had cellulite. And I thought the more that I would diet, maybe it would go away, but it never did. So I just thought, what is so scary about cellulite? Like, it's not doing me any harm. It's just a visual trait that I have. I mean, the worst thing that could happen was that someone was going to say, ew, cellulite, you know? And I feel like I'm a strong enough person to be like, okay, next, you know, who cares about that person or what he thinks or they think. It's about what I think of my body. And if I can learn to embrace it, so can other people. And I can get over these insecurities that are holding me back from so much of my life. And once I posted that Instagram post, like there was no going back. Did you almost feel a sense of relief? Did you feel like, oh, I can exhale? Yes. I felt like I took back the power because no matter what anyone says about me, like it's out there. I don't have to hide it anymore. So yeah, it definitely felt powerful. And I was like, yeah, I've got cellulite. And what more can you say about it? Like, And? And? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And then I had other women standing um, up with me and saying, yeah, I've got cellulite too. And I, you know, some people with big profiles as well. So that was, you know, a really proud moment for me. Oh, it's so beautiful. And to think too, I mean, you said at the outset that you were bullied when you were at school. Mm. I mean, that's terrible. I know. Terrible for a young girl. Now that I'm looking back at that poor 
beautiful little girl who was just already hating her body at the age of 10. I think I went on my first diet when I was 10, the Atkins diet. So already learned how to hate carbs and be scared of foods. Yeah. And that's when the cycle really began of the dieting and putting on weight, losing weight. And it's, it is sad because there are girls out there, even younger than 10 years old, who are dissatisfied with their bodies. That's not okay. Like, I don't want my future child to have to go through that. I don't want any child to go through that, which is why Taryn is doing such an amazing job as well. She's implementing like tools into schools. And yeah, I just want to carry that message as well and put it onto my platform. And you are doing that. And because a lot of young women look up to you, Mm. my daughters are huge fans of yours and your music. And you do have such an influence, such a role to play. Because the thing is, I think almost with body image and things, when you don't see real life images Mm. and you're just seeing these airbrush things the whole time, you can get a warped idea, especially when you're younger, of, oh, well, this is what a body looks like. Right. And it doesn't. (laughs) Especially for, you know, that 10-year-old girl who I was being bullied, but I had my idols and I was looking up to the idols at the time, you know, the Mandy Moores and the Britney Spears, Spice Girls. I was like, that's what I need to look like to be a successful pop star. To reach my dreams, I need to emulate what these women are doing. So yeah, you. I think some people do forget that they do have a real impact on people's lives and people are looking, young girls are looking up to them. That's a responsibility that I don't take lightly. Did you find in the music industry, especially initially, did you feel a pressure to fit a particular body type and look a particular mm, way? For sure. Especially when Geronimo was at its height, we were in LA and Europe and doing photo shoots and, you know, big photo shoots on Ellen and some really big opportunities. So of course I was being styled, I was being photographed, I was being photoshopped without my permission. So all of these things really play into your self-confidence. You know, you're sitting there getting fitted and, you know, they're like, oh, just try this one. It, it fits large. And you're like, oh, okay. It's not my size. Like, no, no, but it runs big. And you're like, okay. And try it on. It's can't get my first leg into it, <laughs> you know, and that plays in your mind like, oh, the problem's me. Like none of these clothes fit me. None of the cool clothes fit me. I have to wear like the sack in the corner. So I better lose some weight. So that definitely played on my mind. Not that anyone turned to me and said, oh, you're fat. You need to lose weight to be successful. But it's just the messaging, the subtle messaging. You look at all the other pop stars and they're tiny. Yeah, you have to follow. You feel like you have to follow the beauty standards. And it's just not true. But, you know, back when Geronimo was big, there wasn't the Lizzo's of the world who have stood up and paved the way for people to really be themselves. So I've decided to be one of those people. Good <laughs> on you. Oh, it gives me goosebumps you. when I think about what you're thank doing. You. And also there's a part of me that feels quite angry on your behalf that at a time in your career and your life when you're making it huge on the international stage, as you were saying, mm. and there was a part of you not feeling enough. Because oh, no. that you weren't fitting in. It, it annoys into me too because I think of all the songs I could have written, all of the instruments I could have learnt when I was busy, you know, thinking about dieting and, you know, looking at the clock, wondering when I can have my next apple, <laughs> you know, I could have been thinking about other things and being creative. But instead, like that really did consume a lot of my life, which is sad. And I, I just hope that no one else has to go down that path. Well, with what you're doing, I think it's going to make such a huge difference. With Shepherd, mm. you do that with your brother and your sister. 
What is that like performing with family? I've got two younger mm-hmm. sisters. I love them to bits, but I couldn't work with them. We would drive Everyone each other that. bananas. <laughs> I think we're kind of stuck with each other now. There's no turning back. We, you know, what happened was I went to uni to study music and one of the assignments was to write, produce and market an EP. So a five-track album, essentially. And I left it to the last minute and I was recording. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, this sucks. And then George was actually, he was living in Sydney at the time, but he was um, visiting us in Brisbane. And I pulled him aside. I'm, I'm like, I know you can sing, sort of. Like, can you just sing some harmonies on this? What do you think I should do? And he had all of these ideas. He's an amazing singer. He's like, oh, and I learned myself piano. So let me just put on a little bit of piano. I'm like, what? So he was just incredibly talented and I didn't even know because he wanted to be an actor. So he was going down that path and kind of just did music on the side as a fun hobby. And so we wrote this song and I uh, got an A, I guess, or whatever it is in uni. <laughs> and um, A distinction? Yeah. I don't know now. Yeah. A distinction. Wasn't quite that, but we'll just say <laughs> I passed. <laughs> um, and then we just decided that we'll continue working together. And it just snowballed from there. So it's it wasn't really a choice. It was just something that happened organically. We started busking on the side and then we started getting bigger like community festivals. And then we started getting paid gigs. I'm like, okay, we need a band because we're starting to get some big gigs here. So my sister, Emma, was leaving school and she didn't know what she wanted to do. So like, why don't you just come and play bass for us? <laughs> and had she played the bass no, before? No, she had like played the bass. It's wild. Like we actually didn't know what we were doing back then. And we'll admit that. Like happy to admit that. But I mean, who does? Like you're just working it out as you go. And she, yeah, we had this mentor in Pinja who was our, because um, we grew up in Papua New Guinea. And our guitar teacher was actually this incredible musical genius. He was a session musician for like Janet Jackson and Madonna back in the day. He was a part of Yothi Yindi. So he was teaching in Papua New Guinea. So he went back home and that's where we met him. He taught us how to play guitar and like lessons in school. But then What we, a teacher. I know. <laughs> and then hearing, I know hearing his stories about touring and what was possible in the music industry, I think really, really ignited something in me. So when Emma started playing bass, we were like, go to PNG and do a three-week bass boot camp with Baruka and see what happens. So she did it. And credit to her, she did really well. And she just said she would play, wake up, have breakfast, play bass with him for hours and then go for lunch and then come back and play bass. And then she'd practice at night. And she did that straight for like a month and learnt bass, learnt all the shepherd songs and yeah, she did a great job. So it became a family band. <laughs> and then, of course, people love to gravitate towards that sibling aspect. We always throw in a lot of harmonies and positivity to our music. joyful music and it's almost a lot of it's sort of anthems I mm. think they're big songs aren't they they are we always say we want to one day we're going to sell out a stadium so we write the music for our dreams um, oh. so that's why they sound so big oh, <laughs> but what a wonderful way to think about 
creating that you're writing for your dreams. Not that's it's right. not small, is it? It's big. Yeah, that's right. You've got to imagine it for it to happen. You know, what's that Picasso quote? I dream my painting and then I paint my dreams. So it's very much like that. You see it in your head and you just take all the steps to make it happen. When you come together to perform on stage, what is that dynamic like? I suppose all families have their issues or dramas, Mm. little daily whatevers. How do you leave that and then come together on stage? I guess, you know, we are siblings, but we're also business partners. So you've kind of just got to put on the business partner hat. But of course, the sibling (laughs) aspect, you know, creeps in and we fight over the front seat, even though we're in our 30s. (laughs) What who's going to sit in the front of the the taxi or the car or whatever? Never ends. (laughs) Um, I'm always in the back because I'm terrible at directions. So it's like George drives, Emma does the directions, and I'm always in the back, which is fine. I like being chauffeured around. Kind of works out. Um, Old habits die hard. But when it comes to business, like we're all very serious about what we do, and we all have this common goal. So I think it keeps us working together. And we're, we're great friends. Like we have our little gang now because we're all, you know, coupled up and we've got our little friendship group and it's all together. And some people think it's weird. I know. No, people, I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful too. It's rare that people get along with their families and to have close family is special. We're in it for the long haul. We have a common goal and a common dream. We're doing it together. And when you say a common goal, a common Mm. dream, you want to play in those big stadiums. Yeah. What else? Well, I think, honestly, it's just to keep music as our full-time career. I think that's the dream. And we're living it, which is great. But it takes work to maintain. It's just not some easy thing that just happened to fall into our laps. Like, you got to work every single day. And, I mean, it doesn't feel like work because we love it. But if we were to dream big and you got to dream big, we would love to sell out stadiums because we really feel like that our music allows for that space. But yeah, just seeing people smile, having the crowd sing your songs back to you is enough for us. Oh, that must be such a vibe. Oh, it's unlike Is that a cool anything. thing to say? Like such that's a such a vibe? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's cool. When you say it, Jess, it's cool. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so fire. Oh, is that the that's phrase? That's what some kids are saying. So fire. It's fire. But it is. It's an incredible feeling. It's such an adrenaline rush. Like you get off stage and you feel like you've just been skydiving every time. But it is just nice to like, you wrote this song in your bedroom. I mean, with your siblings, but... Sometimes it literally just started as a little idea in your head or sung it into your phone as a voice memo or you just wrote a little note. And now it's grown into this huge thing where everyone's singing it back to you. And it's just, it feels like magic. And part of that magic has been you've performed with some massive names in music as well. Mm. Robbie Williams. Yes. What was that like? <laughs> I love Robbie. He's great. He's so lovely and like took the time to come and say hello to us all and hang out. The boys were playing like FIFA with him and like my grandma was there. She couldn't miss out and he came and took the time to give her a hug and have a chat. So yeah, he's amazing. He's just such a, he's a legend for a reason. And Keith Urban as well. I mean, he's been on the podcast. I know Keith. He is such... Isn't he beautiful? A beautiful man. A really, really humble, generous person. And so down to earth. Like, you forget that you're sitting in front of a superstar. Yes. And I'll never forget the way we felt touring with him because he just made us feel at home. He sat everyone down, all his crew and staff, and said, hey, we're on tour together. This is like our little family now. We don't, nobody's above anybody, even myself. And he would eat in catering with us. Nicole was there in catering and it just felt normal. 
you know, because we've done other tours. I won't name names, but... Oh, come on, tell us a name. (laughs) Where you could probably guess, like, some of the top artists where... um, American artists, where we felt like we were just, you know, not really a part of it. And we were like locked in our room, couldn't be in the hallway at the same time. Oh, really? Yeah, like didn't meet the artists and it just felt weird. But we were still grateful for the opportunity, of course, to get in front of a huge audience. But yes. yeah, but Keith, he left us presents. He invited us on stage. We got to sing with him for a song. Like it's just such an incredible experience. Tapping back into what you were saying about it's hard work because Keith worked mm. so hard from when he was young yes. to now. And I think for also a lot of young people now, they think, oh, things will just happen. It'll land in your lap if you post some pictures and say, this is what I yeah. want to do. Yeah. You're going to do it. But it's it's not as simple as that, is it? No. I mean, it can be for some people. It does just happen. But if you want longevity, you have to work at that because that lucky strike isn't going to happen again. You know, you've got to be prepared for that lucky moment to happen. So, yeah, they say luck is just like preparation meets... Hard work. Hard I work. think it's all about hard work. It is. What I think is exciting for you too is that obviously Shepherd's still a huge part of what you do, mm-hmm. but also you've stepped out on your own. Yeah, so I've always loved country music. I grew up listening to a lot of country music because my dad is a huge fan and he would blast Dolly Parton as our alarm clock in the morning and we used to groan and hate it and we were like, oh. But What would he play? Oh, like... Nine to five. Oh, yeah, nine to five, (laughs) of course. Yeah. (laughs) Lots of like Eagles and I don't know whether anyone remembers the Mavericks. So it was the 90s. So, yeah, like country pop. So it definitely rubbed off on me and... I always had this itch to be in country music, but country pop, I mean, Shepard just happened so naturally that it took me in that direction, but it was always in the back of my mind. Like one day I'm going to get into the country well, one day I'm going to write a country. And in 2019, I went to the CMC Festival, which is in Brisbane. It's like the biggest country music festival in Australia. And I just saw what some of the international and the Australian artists were doing. And they, a lot of them were mixing country and pop. I was like, I can do this. Like, this sounds like what I write. When I'm in my bedroom writing on my own, this is what I do. So I went back and wrote a country song. And I sent it to my manager. I sent it to Casey Chambers and she was like, this is a hit, go for it. And then my manager also was like, wow, like this is, yeah, this is great, go for it. So with their approval, I wrote some more and then I went to Nashville and um, you've got to go to Nashville if you're going to be in country. (laughs) And I fell in love with Nashville. It is just the most amazing city that I had ever been to. People were friendly the music culture is insane. Everybody plays guitar. Everybody's a songwriter and a good songwriter. <laughs> so whether they're famous or not, it doesn't matter because everyone just loves what they do. And so just being immersed in that, I came out with a bunch of songs and decided to put them all on an EP, which is Nothing But Wild. <laughs> I wanna-
Because it's very brave to step out of your lane. Yes. And, you know, you have enormous success with Shepherd. Mm-hmm. It can be hard for people to think, oh, what if it doesn't work? Or maybe I just need to stay doing what I'm doing. Yeah, I have all of those thoughts. I still have those thoughts. I'm like, oh my gosh, have I done the right thing? I'm, I'm not, like, I'm not really country. You know what I mean? I am country, but I'm not like, you know, I didn't grow up on a farm. And so I get a lot of imposter syndrome, but... I've, I'm kind of used to imposter syndrome now. I'm kind of used to being uncomfortable and doing it anyway. I just ran out of reasons why I shouldn't just try. You know, that's been my whole life. I'm like, why not just try? Yeah, it's scary. Yes, it's uncomfortable. I don't know if it's going to work, but we'll give it a go. And if it doesn't, that's fine. Like, we'll, do, we'll try something else. And so that's kind of the way that I live my life is just by trying, trial and error. Giving it a crack. I love that philosophy. That's what I try to do in my life as well. And I think as I get older, I feel more emboldened to actually think, you know what, it doesn't matter if Mm. it doesn't necessarily work, but there'll be other things that I learn along the way, people that I meet, Mm -hmm. other opportunities that open up. Yeah, that's so true. And I'm learning that as I go, like so many things haven't worked, whether it's producer, like I've recorded some of the songs many, many times, trying to find the right person, you know, because I've tried to, you know, work with maybe people that Shepherd have worked with, but it doesn't work for that. So I've got to go out and find my own people. And it's been a great learning curve. I've really learned a lot about myself, who I am as an artist and a person on my own. You know, if I was sitting here with my siblings, I'd probably only get a few words in. But now I've learned how to just hold my own. I'm growing in confidence and also like being on stage, learning how to work the stage without having to like turn to George and be like, oh, what do I do now? Like, where, where are you going? You know, you're not having to read someone's mind. You can just be free and do it for yourself, which feels really empowering, but scary. But as I said, I'm getting more comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think that is key mm. that often people think, oh, I have to wait until I'm 100% on top of all of this and until I feel really right. And then you waste time and you waste yeah. life, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, like if you want to be, you've got to do. So just do it. Just get going. If you want to be a musician, pick up a guitar and learn how to songwrite. Um, And it's never too late. I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, I I was worried. That was one of my excuses in my head. I can't do this. I'm nearly 30. I should play it safe and just do the shepherd thing. Yeah, and then obviously talking to my husband, whoever else, they're like, no, it's never too late. And I thought, no, you know, you're right. It's never too late to give something a go. I suppose if you can use that idea of time as something to make you do things. Yeah. Running out of time, I've got to do it. Yes. Yeah. And go for it. When you were first performing on your own on stage, as you say, without that comfort zone mm-hmm. of your siblings and the band, yep. what did that feel like? Scary. I was so nervous for my first show. My voice was shaking. I just had to like, you know, take a deep breath and go for it. And... I mean, every show it gets easier and you learn a bit more about, oh yeah, it's great when I move in this song, I I can dance in that song. And you you learn your set a bit and that gives you a bit of confidence, but it takes time and you just have to do it. You can't really practice for those things because yeah, you can sit in a studio and like learn some dance moves, but it's not the same as like being on and having people watch you. Even like playing guitar is a big one for me because I play guitar in my bedroom and I songwrite with my guitar, but I've never had to actually play on stage because we have a guitarist in Shepherd. So playing live is a completely different experience. And I have guitar lessons every week. And yeah, I guess that's how you get better. You know, you just got to do it. And do you find when you're on stage, 
you're present? I feel like I'm present, but I do feel like I've got a character. You know, once I put on that lipstick and I curl my hair or whatever, I become like Amy Shepherd in lights, you know? But naturally, I'm actually a really shy person. I'm really introverted. I get like social anxiety. So it's so funny. I don't know how that works, but I managed to put it aside. I don't know, put on my big girl pants when I go on stage and become someone else. It's interesting you saying that. So many people that I've spoken to who are performers, whether it be comedians, singers, actors, they are shy. Mm. But when they perform, they shed that because it's a different sort of environment. You're not interacting just with one person. You're putting yourself out there. You're shedding your skin. Yeah, and I think a lot of shy people wish to break out of that barrier, which is why they probably find themselves in situations like I'm in or I'm on stage now because it's just escalated <laughs> to something else because like, oh, okay, maybe I should try this and then, okay, that went all right and now I'll, I'll try this and then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So I am always trying to push my boundaries and as I said earlier, get uncomfortable because I know that I, that's when I grow the most is when I can just pretend that I'm not shy and introverted, even though they seem to be natural parts of who I am. And it makes me think too about you as the 10-year-old girl going through those awful mm. things that you did at school and then now look at you. You know, you think about yourself as Amy Shepherd with your name in yeah. lights. Uh, yeah, I always envisioned it as a little kid. I was like, this is going to happen. And I think that's really important just to like hold on to something, something positive that you can, I don't know, like I just really believed in myself that I would be there one day. I wasn't there yet, but one day I would be. And was there almost a sense of you thinking then, I'm going to show all these people? Was there ever a sense of that? I would be lying if I said no, because of course, like you want to show your bullies that you are good enough. But then it, it changes as you get older and you can let things go and you you find a purpose in actually just making other people happy. But in the beginning, yeah, of course, you want to show people what they didn't see in you. And I guess I did. <laughs> and I have this sort of idea too that to me, the best revenge is living well. Yeah, it's true. You and can't hold on to resentment and grudges because that only brings you down, right? I mean, you can hold on to a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like every now and then a little. That's right. <laughs> but yes, you do have to let it go. And in that sense of living well, it's about being happy. And I look at you now, Amy, and I think, you know, you are happy. Would that be a correct assessment? Yeah, I'm really happy. I feel confident more than ever before, which is crazy because, as I said, I'm like, oh, I'm 30, but I think I'm just getting better with age, you know, and I'm I'm excited for what's to come because I know that I'm still pushing the limits and I'm still growing. So, yeah, I feel happy. And let's just talk finally a bit more about the kiss my ass. (laughs) (laughs) To hesitate with the naughty word there. And where you want to take that, where you want to take that movement. So I did write a song and we released it under Shepherd with Shepherd. And um, and did George write that with you, that Yeah, song? George and Jay. So where the songwriters in the band. It was definitely my vision. And then, of course, being the songwriters in Shepherd, they jumped on it and helped me bring it to life.
then we're thinking about a video clip and I remember seeing the Blurred Lines video clip with Robin Thicke and Pharrell Williams and the uncensored version, I don't know if everyone's seen it, but the uncensored version has these models, like stick-thin models who are topless in G-strings just walking across the stage while the performers like kind of touch them and, you know, it's gross. Revolting. Yeah, it made me feel really bad about my body. I remember being like, oh, that's what successful men want. You know what I mean? Like, not that I thought that, but it just... Well, it's subliminal, isn't it? It's those sorts of messages that I think a lot of us are bombarded with over our lives. Yeah. And it's 24-7. Everywhere you go, there's those messages. And so I wanted to do my own version of that. And I wanted to recreate Blurred Lines music video with a kiss my fat ass spin. And I contacted some people who had met along the way, along my journey, Taryn being one of them. And I just got women of all different shapes, colors, sizes, and I just wanted to celebrate them for what they could do. All of these women were doing incredible things and it didn't matter how they looked. So, you know, I had a crossfitter, I had like Jules, my hairdresser, because she's just such an awesome, fabulous person. So all these women... I just wanted to celebrate them for what they did and not how they looked. And it it came out so beautifully. Well, it's joyful. When I watched it, it just made me go yes and smile and also want to dance around in my underwear too because Mm, you're all there in your bra and undies, but not looking remotely uncomfortable or... Yeah, exactly. It was not sexualised, was it? Yeah, I worked with Burley. They supplied all the underwear and I just wanted something really neutral and just really unsexy. Not that not to be ugly or like, you know, granny undies or anything, but I just want Nothing like, wrong with granny pants. No. I like my I granny love my whackers. granny pants. I probably have granny pants. undies on today. <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted something neutral. So it wasn't it was obviously not sexualized. And I just remember everyone was there at the start of the in the morning with their robes on, being like, Oh, I'm so scared. I was like, oh me too. But I'll go first. So I shed the robe and then just like did the dance in front of the camera. And I was scared too. Like once the girls could see me doing it, then they could emulate that. And that's exactly what happened. One after the other, everyone had their turn of doing what they do in front of the camera. By the end of the day, there were no robes. Everyone was just like, oh, this is normal. Like, we're just who we are. It's just, as you say, who we are, comfortable in our skin. Yeah. And then you realize that you're actually just having a conversation with this person. You're not looking at the fact that they're in their underwear or the fact that they've got cellulite. Like, you're just interested in what they have to say. And one other thing too, I was interested to read that you made a decision to cut back on your drinking. Yes, yeah. And what was behind that? Look, I think just sick of being hungover. (laughs) You know, in the music industry, there's an excuse to drink at every corner, you know, like every event, there's alcohol, a whole life's based around alcohol. And I look, I love a glass of wine just as much as the next person, but I just found that I wasn't functioning at 100%. And I noticed that I was drinking more than I'd like to. It's a slippery slope, yes. And um, of course it is, though, yeah. as you say, when it's part of what you do all the time and it's always yeah. there and everyone's drinking around you, it just becomes normal. And I noticed because I have social anxiety, I was really leaning on the alcohol to get through these events and to feel more comfortable. But I realized that I was denying myself that growth to learn how to socialize without alcohol. So it's still a work in progress. I still drink on special occasions. I'm really trying just to learn how to socialize without alcohol now, which means that I have to do it. If you want to be, you got to do. How did you get so wise? (laughs) (laughs) 
trial and error, yes. <laughs> Doing a lot of dumb things, I think. <laughs> and this is what I think, why you're so special, is we're not perfect. And no. we learn as we go. We make mistakes or we do things and then we think, oh, how could I do that differently next time? Yeah, exactly. I mean... There are things that I wish I didn't do, but if I didn't do them, then I wouldn't be here. So, but I think a big part of that is also surrounding yourself with positive influences. And, you know, when I started this whole Kiss My Fat Ass journey, I cleaned up my newsfeed and I made sure that I was looking at content that aligned with my values and made me a better person. And it did, it rubs off on you and you meet some great people and then you start to become more like them rather than like, I don't know, the perfect influencer that has nothing to offer. And rather than feeling not enough, actually realising, you know what? I am enough. Yes. And I rock. Absolutely. And I'm, what is it? Fire. I'm fire. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm a vibe. <laughs> Amy, you are fire. And it is so fabulous to talk with you, oh, you. and to look at your beautiful <laughs> blue hair, but even more than that, hear your passion and wisdom And I love what you stand for and how you are inspiring so many of us from my daughters to me. So thank you for being you. you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited that I got to be on the podcast. God, so good. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, beautiful. Oh, Amy, isn't she just the best? As I said, she is a role model for me, for my daughters, and I think women everywhere. And what about that blue hair? I think I need that mermaid coloured hair. Sorry, Petey. Now, Amy's Nothing But Wild EP is out now and it's featuring Sometimes You Learn. I really recommend it. I'm loving playing it in the car. And if you're a fan of Shepherd, check out their new song, Daylight, from their upcoming album. For more big conversations like this, follow the Jessro Big Talk Show podcast. It means you'll never miss an episode. And if there's someone in your life who you think will enjoy this episode, go on, share it with them because I love hearing from you. I love it when you send me DMs from all across the world about the episodes that you're loving. So please keep telling me what you love to listen to. And if you enjoyed this episode with Amy, I think you will love my chat with Taria Pitt. I do think our exterior does help us with how we feel about ourselves. So I think if wearing lipstick makes you feel more beautiful and better, knock yourself out, you know, go for it. If getting a new haircut or getting Botox makes you feel better about yourself, great. Because I think there's so much, there is so much, especially for women, there is so much in our world designed to make us feel shit, to make us feel less than, to make us feel like we're not worthy. So if there's something that makes you feel good, go for it. The Jess Rowe Big Talk Show is hosted by me, Jess Rowe, executive producer, Nick McClure. She's a wonderful leopard lady. Audio imager, Nat Marshall. Supervising producer, Sam Kavanagh. 
Until next time, remember to live big. Life is just too crazy and glorious to waste time on the stuff that doesn't matter.